0: Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison.
1: Listen as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Tommy Bahami, we're back. Big Dave, guess
0: what day it is? It is, um, it's Association Strong Day.
1: It is, but it's Monday, man, where we come in fired up, ready to get our constituents and our listeners ready to go for the week.
0: It's all relative, isn't it? Today it, is it, it Monday is. for us, but the person right. who's out for a run or driving into work, it might be, a, a, for all we know, they're driving into work on a Saturday morning, Tom. <laughs> it, it,
1: it, it Number could one be, rule it,
0: on podcast, Tom, don't make date references.
1: Well, whatever day it is, the day matters because that's how you start the week. So it's important. And we're going to start today with one of my favorite growing topics, AI, man. I, I'm loving that we have Jay Owen with us today because he, in my mind, is one of those nerdy guys. That's, that's, he, whenever I look at Jay, I think he's the first guy, when they say iPhone 15, Jay's in a tent, stuck outside of uh, the Apple store, ready to buy that that phone. I
0: just like hey, when don't. I see somebody like Jay, I just want to walk by him and shove him like <laughs> out of the way, nerd.
1: It's well, thankfully, I we do. don't
2: have to set up tents anymore to get iPhones. They let you pre-order it on the phone now. It's much right. easier. But mine will be here, you know, uh, four days from now. So. So you There's got
0: that. Let's talk about that for a second. And here I am timestamping this podcast. What a terrible podcast this is just to start off with right now. It <laughs> may not be Monday. And I want to talk about this brand new iPhone 15. Why are you getting the the 15? What What's well, sexy about my it?
2: Big, my big thing about the new phones is always the camera. I use my camera a ton. Yep. And they just constantly are making that thing significantly better enough better to buy the new one there's only only been a couple of times i can't remember which numbers they were where i didn't buy the next one i like took a year off you know um but this one they finally talked me into getting the bigger iphone which i'm a little nervous about because i'm like i don't know that thing's kind of huge in my hand but it has a 5x optical zoom which for people don't understand what that means Basically, when you click zoom in on your phone, it'll let you zoom in really far. But, you know, it gets real grainy and kind of, you know, pixely. It doesn't yeah. look very good. It's like a kind of a waste to zoom in because it looks so bad anyway. Um, the optical zoom is like having a bigger lens on the camera. And it, it should hypothetically be like physically impossible to pull it off on a phone. But they're basically like using mirrors and stuff inside the phone to... I don't know refract refractor the light or whatever whatever the fancy term is that it relates to, and so you can have a five x zoom which is amazing at, at age like four k. So you are gonna get the max
0: or no? Yeah, I'm
2: getting the max. It'll be here Friday. We'll. I was about thinking the, size. the same
0: thing. We'll see. So I've had like the normal Pro, uh, and this is the what the fourteen, I guess. That's what I have. Yeah. And uh, I've been thinking the same thing. I spend so much time reading on my phone. Yeah. I might, I think I'm making the move to the max, man. I just and they are a good bit pocket. lighter
2: too, because they're made out of titanium now, the frame instead of, I don't know, whatever metal they're made out of now. So they're significantly lighter. So it could feel like the max is about the same weight as your current, you know, 14 bro. And Jay, don't be surprised
1: of, when you open it up that you go, oh my gosh, this is the first iPad.
2: Yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> I, I was in the Apple store the other day and like, kind of playing with the current max, which is a touch bigger and, and a touch heavier than the 15s. And uh, I was okay with it. So I don't know. We'll see. I just need to fit in my pants pocket, you know.
0: But we're here to talk about AI, artificial <laughs> yeah. intelligence. And that's a pretty broad topic for, you know, a 30, 45-minute um, conversation. Uh, but but you, um, you commented a few minutes ago before we hit record, and Tom and I just exploded to shut you down. You said there's been three... <laughs> or or so major innovations in your lifetime that uh, have been, uh, you think, really impactful? I I don't know if I described that the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically it. I think
2: technology changes all the time. It's changing faster now than it ever has in the history of humanity um, as far as like the pace, the velocity with which it's changing. And there's been three times in my lifetime where I thought this changes everything, about everything. The first, I was probably... I don't know 10 11 12 years old something like that and it was when the internet itself really came out and and it was like you're going to be able to type in www.something.com and just see this information and I thought wow this changes everything. Because before you had to be a real nerd to get on anything that would qualify as what the internet is. And it made it available to everyone. So, wait, second, second, Let's go
0: back to that moment for a minute. Yeah, yeah, What year are you referencing? Because the internet coming out was really the course of decades. But yeah. I mean, you could even look at all of the 90s and be like, yeah, the internet was kind of becoming public in the
2: 90s so like when what year said, when you say yeah pre-aol so i would i'm talking about like wasn't Netscape,
1: I was, the big the big browser that wasn't that the first big browser netscape
2: yeah i, I mean there were others was, but it was like the first it was the first one that was like adopted by regular people i would right. argue um I so i'm talking like 30 ish years ago something like that so whatever so, that is
0: uh it's 23 right now so you're talking like 90 early, early 90s early 90s 1992
2: now, there was some version of the internet before this time for sure, but it wasn't as accessible as it is now. Um, and, and it was super slow. Remember, you had to dial in and it was like, you know, that whole thing. And you got your DVDs,
1: DVDs from AOL, get your free, 50, free five hours. Yeah, I got I a got lot those, of free like, five hours. I <laughs> got like I, a lifetime of <laughs> worth of free hours on AOL.
2: I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know if the statute of limitations is up on that, but, um, but I, I remember. Kind of seeing where that was going to go. I remember seeing where that was going to go as far as the internet and thinking, I mean, so much is going to get disrupted because of this. Specifically, encyclopedia salespeople, you know, those guys, I mean, they just, they can't sell anything anymore because they just go to Wikipedia. Wait Um, a minute, you were nine? Yeah, something like that nine-ish and, and at nine you were like so much is going to get disrupted that's, in the world. that's how my brain works man I, I don't know I've, I've been 40 since I was uh since I was about nine and I just now caught up to the age you know a year two year or two that's ago, so. so funny
0: because I've been 14 since I've been about 14 and I'm still 14 <laughs> and, 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 and I can I'm, vouch for I'm, I'm that that sounds
2: much more fun that's my sense of fun.
0: humor is 14 years old my, uh, my intellect is 14 years old. I never once looked at the internet and I was like, wow, this is going to disrupt the world. But here we are.
1: But look at it, look at this, Dave and Jay. So I read an article once, because when you look at the, what they're saying about AI, well, back when the internet came out, the, one of the first things people said was, oh my gosh, there go all the jobs. There yep. go all yeah. the jobs. And That's I read right. a, I read a study that said that for every job, the internet took away, it added 10 more to the to the to the economy. For for different areas of how it grew companies, how it grew stuff. So I think I mean, people right. use
2: that argument like it's gonna take away jobs like for everything. I mean, the the ice maker took away jobs, you know, the refrigerator took away jobs. Like, but do you want to not have those things? Like, of course not. Right. <laughs> you know, right. And they and they create other opportunities to your point. You just gotta look for the opportunity.
0: It does it, it to your point, the word disrupt is pretty good. It does disrupt things. I mean, y- you look at uh, autonomous uh, cars and th- that's gonna that's gonna do quite a bit to the uh, the the truck driving industry, right? And now we're already lacking truck drivers, but for those people that actually really like driving trucks and make a living out of it, 10, 15 years from now, that's not gonna be a career, I don't think.
1: Well, you know what yeah. What happens, David, I think, is that when when disruption happens, people have been in this nice, cushy job that they know how to do it for a long time. It's not a big thing for younger people who are coming into the market, but for people that are in their late 30s to 50s, they have to either reskill or upskill to be able to make themselves valuable in the marketplace once again. Yeah. And that's tough for a lot of people. The
0: older you get, the
1: tougher it is, right? Right.
2: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I used to think the older that I got, the less valuable my nerdiness would become with with regards to my love for technology and kind of enjoying disruption, for lack of a better term. But I actually don't think that's true because I look at a lot of younger folks now, and they may have grown up with technology, but they don't always like think about how they're going to use it in some kind of like opportunistic way. Um, opportunistic sounds so bad, but you know what I mean? And no, I, I I don't think so. And so it's been interesting because I don't think that my desire for those things and, and my kind of inclination towards them has become less valuable over time. I actually think it's become more valuable.
0: I like the direction this podcast is going in right now. I, I think we came in expecting to talk solely about AI and like and and I actually like this talk a little bit more just how tech in general is impacting the world. So so what's the right. second major shift? OK, the Internet. Yes. Big deal. What's, what's yeah. the next one?
2: The second one, um, Steve Jobs was on stage and he said, uh, "Today we're we got one more thing." And he's like, "It's not one more thing; it's three more things. We're going to release a uh, a phone, which everybody had rumored about. They were super excited about an internet communicator. That was the term that he used, and a new iPod. I think was the was the third thing. And he said, "We're going to release a phone, an internet communicator, and an iPod." And he said it again because you know alliteration and whatnot. And he said, "It's actually not three things; it's one thing. It's the iPhone." And I remember seeing that device and thinking, wow, this changes everything about everything and some for good and some for bad. Like, I mean, when I, when I drive by the bus stop and I see every kid, like almost everyone staring down at their phone, I'm thinking, man, these kids gonna have neck problems. And second, it's a really sad, like state of humanity in some of those moments. Um, But it's also produced a lot of good. So it's like. But I also I remember thinking, like, this changes everything. And they didn't invent a lot of the technology that's in the iPhone, ironically. They just made it more uh, applicable to everybody. So, like, the multi-touch, which is, like, such an innovation. I remember when you could first, the first time you pinched and zoomed a photo on a phone, you know, or a pinched and zoomed a map. It was like, what is this magic, you know? And now it's so normal. We, we forget that it used to be cool. It's like, of course we can do that. You know?
0: Did you ever go to a hard copy, like some actual picture, and you're either tired or like just you're zoned out and like you, you pinch out to zoom in on a magazine?
2: <laughs> well, I well, actually that really stood out. It. To, oh, well, the time really stood out to me where I thought, wow, kids are growing up differently was my oldest son, who is now 18, just went to college. He was probably two or three. And I remember he uh, walked up to the TV and was touching the screen and trying to like move it and it wouldn't Ah. respond to him. And he's like, you know, he just, he couldn't communicate because he could barely talk at that point, but he didn't understand. I thought, wow, his mindset, that's normal for him. Of course, why can't I touch the screen? What's going on here? You know? And, and so it's just interesting to see how humanity adapts so quickly. Cause for him, he grew up with it. For me, it was magic. I think for every negative
0: you come up with, uh, or anyone comes up with uh, for social media or for the iPhones or technology, I could probably come up with a positive for it as yeah. well and vice versa. I mean, sure. it, it's easy to to come up with the negatives, too. And I get very frustrated, not only with myself, but people I'm hanging out with my brother. This is entertaining. My brother and I um, were out for a walk one day. He you and know, I just went out to lunch and then went for a walk. Uh, we're near a beach and, and he had just gotten a new Apple Watch. And we're in the middle, I think he was in the middle of telling me something, like right in the middle of a story. And he s- stops, looks at his watch like that. Like, and it, it's just a long pause. I'm like, uh-huh. what just happened? Like, it. And then he couldn't get back to the story. It was, it was, it was like, it, it was a complete, talk about disruption. It was a complete disruption. And so I was like, dude, that is so rude like you've got to learn how to adapt to the new technologies well it's brand new I'm getting used to it right but it does take some getting used to to ignore that vibration on your watch so that you can continue to to thrive in action. engage in interaction yeah and and so it's a learned habit but mm-hmm. it's also has to do with manners it has to do with taking your hat off of the table and it has to do with looking people when you shake their hand you know, there's thing new things we need to learn. You ignore the vibration on your wrist. Mine just vibrated. I'm still looking at you. I'm still talking to you. I will look at my watch later.
2: Yeah, and I think Apple's done a good job of, like, realizing these things and implementing better technology as well. And, you know, some of the latest operating systems, it takes you a minute to set them up, but you can go in and set up different focus modes. And this has become very valuable to me because I am naturally, like, ADHD plus, you know, if that's even a thing. And so I love chasing squirrels, you know, I'm like, well, what, where are we going? You know, what's next. And so, you know, I have to put boundaries in place for myself because if my watch vibrate and I love my Apple watch, it's great. But if that thing's, I can't help but not look at it. And so I have to turn those things off and I have to have systems to automate them turning off based off my schedule or my location or whatever else. And there's now tools that will let that happen automatically. And so when I go on vacation, I'll actually disable my email from my phone because I know I don't have it's like, I mean, truthfully, it's it's like an addict of any kind, you know, I'm addicted to my email. And I, you know, generally, if somebody is an alcoholic, they, they should not like probably keep liquor in their house. You know, and so if I'm on vacation and I'm addicted to my email, I probably shouldn't have email on my phone. I should just turn it to disable it. And that's what I do. Right. And, and that's how I've created boundaries to protect my m- marriage in that case. And uh, it works really well.
0: All right. What's the third one? I, the I third one's AI. I the third one. That's, yeah.
2: that's where we're going. You know, um, the first time I fired, I've, I've played with different iterations of AI for the past five years. Um when we use the term AI, let's let's define our terms first because artificial intelligence is a pretty broad thing. And and true artificial intelligence, um, people would some would say we're almost there, some would say we're not quite there, is like it's it's like a sentient, it's like thinking on its own. It's thinking things that we didn't ask it to think, which is a little bit scary to think about. But very basically, we use AI all the time. When you pull your phone up and it gives you a suggested recommendation for where you should go based on your location, it's using some variation of AI for that. But what we're specifically talking about, at least what I'm specifically talking about on this episode is the the latest AI work that came out almost a year ago now, which is crazy, specifically... OpenAI's ChatGPT. There's a lot of variations of this, but that is the one that kicked the you know kicked the door open a little bit on uh, a, a big term called LLM, large language uh, models, and basically, it is able to uh, respond to all kind of questions and ideas like having a friend you think about that show uh, who wants to be a millionaire uh, used to be on the show uh, Regis just i think ran the show and real fun show and you have they ask you these hard questions and and they get one phone a friend and they could have this one friend that they could call in hopes that that friend would know because it's like it's a history question and you know what dave knows all the answers to history so i'm gonna call dave and i call him yeah, can you like, imagine
0: you know in- to call your your friend the chat
2: gpt Exactly. In yeah. 1823, you know, X Y Z happened. What was it? You know, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's it's probably this. It's like having that friend all the time. And in business, it's a superpower if you know how to use it. So I hear something about AI. Exact, Sorry, go ahead, Tom.
1: What I was going to say is one thing about AI that I think is so funny when you listen to people. And that's what I like about Jay bringing it to today. Is when you sit in most keynotes about AI. It's like watching people's faces in a horror flick. So because most people in, in a uh, in a keynote I've seen want to talk about the things 15 to 20 years from now that AI is going to do that basically destroyed the universe. Yeah. And so it's got, the most common phrase I hear from most, most people that come out of a, a guy or a lady teaching AI is they scared the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, that they, we should be... And that's why I want Jay speaking speak in our conference in October because we want somebody to come and tell people what is AI? Why not? Why do you not be scared of it? And how do you start doing what Jay said, impact it today so it's a powerful resource and tool for your company and or your business if you're an entrepreneur? I think that, that's where people have to start really digging in and saying, okay, the internet didn't chase all the jobs. It, trains, it changed, transferred things to the good more than it did to the bad in a lot of ways. And how can we do that same thing with AI? For sure. that, that, that's where people have to get to because, I mean, so many people are scared and And people got to get. Jay, I think you probably agree with this. People got to learn how to get upskilled or reskilled pretty fast in the next five years because AI is going to definitely change the way people work in their jobs.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the greatest gifts people can have, um, or 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 skills they can even acquire, is just the willingness to try things. Right. A lot of times, people are just so intimidated something that they they don't even want to look at it. And if they just give it a try. It, they might be surprised how much it could help them but here's so what i look
1: the, at go ahead David. i'm sorry
2: the fear
0: is legit right and like the fr- sure. very first thing whenever you get into a, a real conversation about ai or any conversation about ai it, it almost always goes to so is this the end of the human race like are they gonna <laughs> yeah. they're gonna kill us all and it, and it's said a little bit facetiously because it's such an outrageous thought but then very quickly it turns into it's actually kind of a real question. And that question comes from fear and fear of the unknown. And there are a lot of unknowns with AI right now. I mean, I can tell you when I'm swimming in clear water where I can see the bottom, uh, I have zero fear. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. When I'm swimming in murky water where I can't see the bottom, I that freaks me out. I don't like it. Because you don't know what's there. It's the unknown. And the, the oftentimes, what you imagine in the unknown is far worse than reality. Now, whether or not that's true with AI, I don't know. But uh, I heard somebody describe AI once, and I'm not going to, I'm not going uh, to do this justice. But he's like, imagine uh, reaching out to a friend, like phone a friend, but now this is the smartest person you ever met. They have more facts in their head than they've ever than anyone you've ever met in your life. And they can react and respond to things faster than anyone else you'd ever imagine. And that's what we're dealing with here. It is like the ability to process things faster and with more information than a human could. And, uh, that's wild, wild to think about. Okay, but before we speculate and go off into 20 years in the future, what do you think we can do with it now, Jay? Like, what do you see? How do you see whether you want to talk about individuals or organizations? Like, what are people using AI for really effectively right now?
2: Yeah, let's talk about what it's good for and what it's not good for. Uh, there are some risks of using it for certain activities. By the way, I research. love how you
0: just reframed my question. That was really, really good. You're like, <laughs> I don't want to answer that, but
2: I'll answer this. No, well, that's really good. It's that, some version I, of what you asked me. You know? I don't really
0: know what I'm asking. Like you, you've you been in this conversation many more times than I have, so I love that. So
2: what's what works and what doesn't with AI? Great question. Thank you. Yeah. So the thing I'd be careful about is using it for research. I'm not saying you can't. It just—it's like a friend who knows everything who occasionally also just makes up a story. You know, <laughs> and you're like, I don't know we if that's love, true. You know, we all got wow. those. If, trends, for example, yeah. I asked it—I asked it to write a bio about me. And at first, it was like, I don't know who that is. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just not famous enough. And then I was like, let me be more specific. Uh, tell me what you know about Jay Owen from St. Augustine, Florida. And then it was like, oh, Jay is the CEO of Business Builders in St. Augustine, Florida, blah, blah. And it starts listing off all these other things, which were all true. Then it started making up, which to be fair, it was making up good things. It was like all these awards that I had won that I had not actually won. And I thought, this is exceptional. I'm going to use this as my bio. So be careful about using it for for research alone um, because it doesn't cite its sources very well. What it's very good for is brainstorming and data analysis. So the data analysis side specifically, I'll give you a specific example from last night. Okay, I had a um, an email that we had had people sign up for through our church where they could subscribe to um, downloading different types of devotionals. One was for parents, one was for married couples, and one was for singles. So it was one form they could select. You want one of these, two of them, or all three of them. My email platform very clearly showed me total number of subscribers, all their information that they had submitted, and which one they signed up for. But I thought, you know, I'd really like to know how many people signed up for more than one. And it was hard to do that math, like from the data that I had from my email system. And I was like, I'd really like to know like which ones they signed up for and a few other things that I couldn't get easy access to. So here's what I did. I exported that list as an Excel file which we've all used Excel before for better or worse. And in ChatGPT now, they have a tool where you can upload that Excel file and then ask it questions about that file. It becomes a data analysis employee that's $20 a month, which is hard to beat. And I said, hey, uh, here's exactly what I said to it. I said, how many subscribers have signed up for more than one devotional? And it immediately knew what I was talking about. And it said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to load the the CSV file. I'm going to analyze the data. I'm going to count the numbers. And I'll report back in a moment. And in seconds later, it says there were a total of 3,077 subscribers who signed up for more than one devotional. And I thought, great. Give me a breakdown of those stats. And it said, no problem. Here you go. Total subscribers per devotional. And then it showed me how many signed up for one, how many signed up for two, and then how many signed up for all three. And I thought, wow, that's really good. And then this is the key. This is the most valuable thing you'll hear on this podcast as it relates to AI. It is what you just said, Dave, a minute ago, which is, I don't know, you said some version of this. I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what questions I should be asking. Exactly. And here's the beauty of how that plays out in using something like ChatGPT. Ask it what you should know. Hmm. And it knows. So I said, what other information might be interesting from the CSV file that I uploaded? Because I'm thinking, I don't know, what what might people want to know about this? And I won't read the whole thing because it's pretty long, but it gave me eight ideas um, and just headlines. It said, well, good question. You might want to know conversion patterns, source analysis, retention rate, correlation analysis, segmentation, conversion page analysis, recommended systems and feedback. And I thought, Wow. And then for each one of those, it basically told me, here's what I would need to know to give you that information from this spreadsheet. And I just said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you just give me some additional stats that might be interesting from information you already have. So I'm carrying on a conversation. Yeah, yeah. So what did it say? It's amazing. So it said, well, here's some things you might want to know. Signups by hour of the day, the peak hours were 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. The lowest activity was between 1 a.m. and 5 p.m. Most popular days for sign-up. Again, none of this is explicitly outlined in the report. It just shows in the CSV the time and date they signed up for. It intrinsically knows. He probably would like to know what days were the most popular and what times were the most popular, which is true. Then it breaks down um, most popular days. Then it went in and said you may also want to know what popular combinations there were. This becomes very interesting. Here's why. Here's why. Um, there were out of the 7,000 total subscribers, 2,400 of them signed up for the marriage and parenting Devo. Well, that makes sense. And those people most likely are married and have kids Mm -hmm. or want to have kids, right? I could probably assume that. Then 327 subscribers signed up for the parents and the singles Devo. It's very, very likely that those are single parents. right? Right. I didn't have to, I didn't have them identify as that, but I can assume that based on the data and it's helping me do all of that. And all of this happened in like a 10 minute period. I mean, uh, at, I don't know what time of night that I was looking at. And they gave me some more things like top conversion pages based on information that it had other observations. And then that's where I ended the conversation with it, but I'm, I'm using it like it's a data analysis going, Hey, here's a bunch of stuff. Help me sort this out. Even cooler, I'll give you one more example and we can kind of see where the conversation goes. I could upload two spreadsheets, uh, two CSV files or two Excel files and say, hey, um, where do you see any duplicates across these? Now you can do that in Excel, but I'm not fancy enough in Excel to know how to do like pivot tables and all these other kind of fancy things. I don't need to now. I can just upload it there and I have an Excel employee now. His name is Chat GPT, And... Um, and, and it can just make those decisions for me and it can produce a new spreadsheet with just the, you know, non-duplicated names between the two spreadsheets or whatever uh, I want it to do.
0: Jay, I, I heard a, so analytics, right? The good, good place to start, but I heard a, um, a, a, a story. I don't know if it's true or not that somebody from, uh, I'm going to say Nintendo, like a programmer from Nintendo, some, some big software company. Um, posted some code, they couldn't find a problem with it. So they went to ChatGPT and said, hey, can you help me find the the errors in this code? And it did. Problem is now that becomes public domain and people can now look back and say, hey, can you show me Nintendo's code for for whatever uh, video game or, or and it's, it's now available. So like that created a major security problem. So when you publish something or you upload something to ChatGPT, is it becoming public domain? it's not
2: public domain because you can't i can't search other people's chats now i don't know the intricacies of everything in the privacy statement to be fair and i would say like i wouldn't share something with it that is like super proprietary like anything else i mean anything anything you post anywhere whether it says it's secure or not if you're putting it out on the internet in some once way once it's out there it's there you just well, got to know it might be accessible but there's no way names. for me to go search what did what did dave post to chat GPT. That's not a thing. Uh, maybe somebody at OpenAI could do that, but regular people can't.
0: Well, I'd be very so, curious, you know, like people's names and information. I mean, if it's going to pull in code that uh, from, from uh, some software platform, you know, is it now collecting information about people?
1: But one of the things I've heard about that, Dave, on code side is hackers. Hackers get somehow raw, wrong code that does bad things into that code that you're searching for and now you're downloading code into your system that you aren't aware has bad code in it and next thing your systems are going haywire. I mean, is that... Yeah, I've
2: never seen anything quite like that. I'm sure it's like probably technically possible. I would say... Um, not to get too nerdy for the folks that are listening, but we've definitely u- I've used it for code stuff before for sure, and I'm I know just I love how you assume dangerous. people are
0: listening to this. By well, the way, you know they probably <laughs> it's, <somebody's laughs> it's it. for the three of us. So like, least, <laughs> if there's know, a listener, mom, hey, welcome to the show. Glad to That's
1: have right. you. My, my mom says she listens every episode. So <laughs> there we, we got go. Our so yeah, my
0: mom and Tom's
2: mom, and mom. we're good to go. Number one
0: and only listener. Thanks, That's Tom's right. mom.
2: So the the code thing is wild. I think. um what, what some people think, if you're, let's say you're a copywriter or a developer, you could get real nervous about a product like this because it is capable of doing everything that you do. It is. It's just a matter of time. And the question, but here's what I think about it. If you're a really good copywriter and you can leverage a tool like AI, you're actually going to be a, let me put this, let's say, let's say you're an average copywriter. But you understand writing, and then you leverage Chat GPT on top of that. Now you're an exceptional writer who can produce much more volume, much higher quality, with much less stress. Where a regular person using it is not going to produce the same results. A perfect example of it is the iPhone. If you give, back in the day, people would be like, oh my gosh, what iPhone do you have? That photo is so good. And I'd be like, it's the iPhone 4. And then an iPhone 6 would come out. What, what iPhone do you have? I'm like, it's not the iPhone. It's, I mean, it's not, it is kind of me in that situation, but all it really is understanding lighting most of the time. Like yeah. don't have light, bright light behind you, have it in front of you and you're going to take a better picture. And so people think wrongly that it's the device. A great photographer takes a better photo on an iPhone than a regular person does. A great copywriter will use chat better than a regular person will. Same thing, a great developer we'll use ChatGPT better to write code. Somebody who doesn't know anything about development is not using ChatGPT to write code. It's, it's too complicated.
0: So let's talk about copy for a minute, marketing copy or yeah. or, or blog posts or content of any kind. Mm-hmm. I just read this great blog post over the weekend, a guy I follow named David Cummings. He's the founder of Pardot um, back in the day. Um, Pardot Marketing Automation yep. System. I uh, and and so he uses the text to or the voice to text feature on his computer. And then he'll just kind of spit out all this information about a conversation or something he's thinking about. I'll just like start talking into voice to text. And then he'll say, hey, he'll he'll copy that, put it in ChatGPT and say, hey, can you turn this into a blog post? Now, generally speaking, what has become apparent is ChatGPT tends to be a little more colorful than the average writer, lots of adjectives and so on. So then he'll go and say, okay, can you take what you've written, clean up the following blog post to f- focusing on grammar, situation and spelling without adding adjectives. So now he takes basically another iteration of this, goes in and says, take out all the adjectives and all, the, all, all that extra stuff. Then he'll take that final version and read through it and edit it. So he becomes the editor. So he is the providing the initial information. ChatGPT makes it nice, takes mm-hmm. out some of the adjectives and then he edits it. And all this can be done in like a five minute window. So that's where uh, that's another way of. So we got analytics and then we've got a content. Any thoughts yeah. on content, Jay?
2: Yeah, I'll give you an example of how I used it just recently. I recorded a short form video of kind of my thoughts on AI, some of the things we've talked about today, so five or six minutes, put it on YouTube. Then I used a plugin inside of ChatGPT to access that YouTube video and told it to write a summary. And create a blog post around it with specific parameters. So the other thing you can do to get the writing the way that you want it is you can define the reading level. So I could say write this at a ninth grade reading level. I'm like, "Eh, why don't you make it a sixth grade reading level? Um, You know, I'm like, "Eh, why don't you make it a fifth grade? You know, and so you can adjust it. it. You can adjust it so it's more readable uh, just by telling it that. And then there's some other apps out there where I can take my YouTube video and upload it into it. And it will automatically create little short form clips, 60 to 90 seconds that can be used as Instagram reels or YouTube shorts, things that would take hours for an editor to go through and find the clip. That's the hardest part is finding the clip, then cutting it, then transcribing it, and then overlaying the captions. Would Something that would take hours before I can do in minutes now, and it's all automated. Now, it might give me 15 clips, and I might think that 10 of them are garbage. Like I wouldn't have picked those clips, but I don't care. If I get four or five, great, and I'm done. So it's another great tactical example of where I've cut down on time and cost in a really significant way.
1: So Dave, you know what I hear from all this? And this, this goes back to when people hear this and they talk about AI, they think. So most people think job extinction. It's just a matter of when in their mind. But what I just heard Dave, or Jay go through, and what I have on one of my slides when I talk about artificial intelligence, is it's never about jobs create, job extinction. It's about capacity expansion and scaling your job. So what Jay talked about is some, a copywriter who could, if he thought of it the wrong way, could think of his job being gone. But what he did was he took AI and made himself more valuable and scaled his position so he's much better than the average copywriter. And, and he did that by not adding time to his work schedule and stress. So I think do that more, meant-
0: do more with the time you have. Right. And that's how we grow. If now maybe maybe I'm a little out of school here. I don't think so. But that's how we grow GDP with the uh, with a shrinking um, population. You know, that's like sure. how do yeah. you grow GDP when your population is on the decline? When the working when the working man or, and woman has is on the decline and that is people do more but not necessarily by working more hours
2: yeah and i still you know what's interesting about it is when you think about that example of a youtube video i created i still paid my videographer to shoot the video and edit the primary five minute high quality version then all the reels the blog posts the snippets the social posts are all initially created by AI, then I just go through and proof and edit them basically, which takes me a few minutes. But I probably wouldn't have paid somebody else to do all that anyway, because I just I just probably wouldn't have. Right. So it's not like I'm costing anybody else a job. I'm just significantly producing more in my own time without creating any more stress for myself in the process. So it's, it's actually a, a net gain overall, because I wouldn't have paid somebody you know, a thousand bucks to go edit all those clips anyway, I would have tried to do it myself and spent way too much time doing it.
0: There's a book I'm reading right now called Exponential Organizations, 2.0 is the one I'm reading. And it's, it's, um who is the author? It's uh, Peter Diamandis wrote it along with the, the main author, I would think was Salim Ishmael. And the the concept is around um utilizing information you know, creating businesses now that are centered around the concept of information and making businesses super super scalable and I mean I'm super summarizing this thing but uh uh one of the concepts in there is 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 creating something in abundance right so and and the example uses is awesome think back to photography when it cost money to make uh, to, to take a picture every picture you took cost money right and so you know it was limited to people that had the money to to make pictures and so on and to buy cameras and now everyone's walking around with a camera and we have 10 10 times uh every bad picture you know you you, how many times do you take one selfie you don't you take six because you want to get the one where the eyebrow is just right or or pictures of the sunrise like oh what if that one's messed up you take eight of them right? right so so now we're in this world of abundance where scarcity is not the issue the problem becomes abundance. We have so many pictures on our phone. I literally have like sixty thousand pictures on my phone over the years. Now the trick is, abundance has created the problem of how do I find that one that I want?
2: Where's that sun? Yeah, so it's interest. That's exactly right. What's interesting about how the technology will evolve across many things is, take Apple for example with the photos on your phone, um, and Google does a very good job with this as well, actually. Apple doesn't use the term AI a lot, interestingly, uh, but they use AA, AI a lot. They they kind of don't like to get caught up in the hype engine of what it's called. <clears throat> Although if I'm, be, if I'm willing to make a prediction, which I am, by the end of next year, Siri will be 10x better. I think they're going to develop their own large language model. I think they're going to install it on the phone. I think privacy is going to be their primary superpower in that. <clears throat> but the way that they're going to use AI as we go is when you pull up your 60,000 photos, it will automatically be able to look through those photos and make decisions. And it already does this to some extent on which ones it should recommend for you to view. It'll autom- it automatically already puts together little slideshows of recommended uh photos from trips and things like that, where before you would have had to compile all that yourself. That is to some extent some version of automatic auto, you know, artificial intelligence making those decisions, uh, even though it's not, you know, chat GPT, which is kind of the primary focus of the conversation, but it's still AI making your life better because you don't know how to filter through your 60,000 photos, but it does. And you can say, you can type in sunrise now and all of a sudden it can show you pictures of sunrises.
0: That's impressive. Dog. Yeah. Dog dog near the water. Yeah. All right, Jay. So we got analytics. We've got content. Give me something else. What else do we use an AI for?
2: brainstorming is a big one so when when i'm trying to come up with ideas about um uh whatever you know what what here's here's a dumb idea you know uh i've got a team meeting on a monday and we do icebreakers you know just something to kind of kick the morning off i can just say hey I've got a team of 15 that's having a Zoom call this morning, and I want an activity that's going to take less than five minutes that kind of engages everybody, maybe creates a little bit of humor and laughter. Give me a couple ideas for things we could do. Boom, 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 boom. It's going to give me four of them. I could say I hate all of those. Give me something totally different. Boom, 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 boom. Four totally different And they're good. This is the mistake people make. People say stuff like, well, you know, you know, this AI thing, I mean, it sounds cool and all, but it's never going to replicate a human touch in writing. And I'm like, you've never used this before, clearly, because it writes better than all of us. I'll tell you that right now. It writes better than all of us and in a more human way because why? Because it has like almost the entire construct of human writing inside of it. So it knows how to write like a human because it's the only thing it's been trained on. But brainstorming was, I mean, you could plug something in like that and then just tell it, Hey, I want it to take less than X amount of time and I want everybody to be involved. And it'll, it'll know how to create that kind of idea for your event or your zoom call or whatever it is. And man, it, it makes life better in that case. Cause now i got something fun and funny and people are like, that was a great activity. And I'm like, yes, it was. Thank you robot.
1: (laughs) Today. This is what I'd like us to kind of make a right-hand turn on. So we've, we've talked a lot about analytics, brainstorming, and now our, and content. So Jay, you know, our listeners are associations. You've been a a part of ours. You've been a part of associations before working with technology. So the next five years, take the next three to five years, you got some associations and their members that are on the side that we talked about, they fear it and they don't know what to do with it. And you got other, and they're actually ignoring it. And you got others like our association that's embracing it, trying to run with it, maximize it, use it to scale things, make us more efficient. So what are the three to four things that you think as an association looking at this technology that they should be putting their mindset to to leverage it and not be afraid of it.
2: Well, uh, number one I would say I would say you need to actually use it. If you're not playing with it in some way, you you can't know what's up. You can't know how it could help you. And in fact, I could even come into ChatGPT and say, "I am a association of I don't know, real estate um uh, investors and would like to know how i can use ai for um the betterment of my members uh, give me five ideas i'm talking like this cuz i'm actually typing while i'm talking and then it's going to produce something i don't know what it's going to produce but we're about to find out and it says well here's five ways that an association of real estate investors can use ai for the betterment of your members. Number one, property valuation and prediction analysis. AI can analyze vast amounts of data related to property prices, neighborhood, it goes on and on. Number That's two- not really good. It's like such a great great use case
0: of AI. Yeah. Anyway, go on.
2: Yeah, it keeps going. Number two, virtual property tours and augmented reality. AI-powered virtual tours could allow potential buyers and investors to experience a property without being there, blah, blah, blah. Automated customer service and lead generation explains more risk analysis and due diligence, operational efficiency, and the management. But here's where it gets crazy. I could say, explain all that to me uh, in... Ten words, and it'll just be like boom, and it did. Write, AI write predicts values, enhances tours, improves services, assesses risks, and optimizes operations. Ten words. Um, like the lyrics to a country song, is, uh, and explaining. so <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> it'll do it. It'll do it. i love be reasonably good. Write
0: songs in in AI. Hey, can you tell me? Should we like? So I, I'm a uh, Google user and so naturally i went to bard which is google's yep. version of chatgpt is 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 chatgpt significantly better than bard like do you know
2: Here's what I would say. It depends should I, on. Should when, I just
0: focus on ChatGPT, or should yeah? It I,
2: depends on when somebody listens to this. To some extent, they each there's three big players. Um, ChatGPT is the king, in my opinion. Bard is kind of number two. Google's been a little bit behind. I don't think they're behind internally. Is my instinct. They're just behind externally with what they're allowing people to see. Um, and then third, there's another one a lot of people haven't heard of that's actually really good called Claude. C L A U D E. Claude AI is actually very good as well. One of the advantages that Claude and Bard have over ChatGPT is they natively can go out and look at links on the internet. So you could give it a link and say, hey, summarize this article for me. ChatGPT can't do that without you installing some plugins, which takes a couple of, it's still free, but it takes a couple of extra steps involved. Um, My experience so far in in a lot of testing, I mean, I have spent an absurd amount of hours uh, playing with these things, is that. ChatGPT, specifically version four, uh, writes and thinks better than the others do. Um, it just produced. I've, I've tested the same prompt with the same question across the top three many, many times, and I would say that eight times out of ten, um, I, I prefer the outcome that ChatGPT produces. But that's not to say that three months from now that could totally flip on its head because Bard when it first came out was really bad, like not usable in my opinion for most of the things I wanted it for now it's actually become really good. And so I just don't think it's as good as chat GPT, but it's a sliding scale and it's somewhat subjective, I would say. So Tom, what do
0: you, Oh, oh you know, one other thing I want to talk about. Wait a minute, so, not...
1: so so, we had asked Jay for three to three or three or so things that associations should do walking away from this podcast to oh, yeah. embrace well, first.
2: A... The first is I would go set up an account if you don't already with ChatGPT. I would pay for a pro version, which is only 20 bucks a month. It's a no-brainer. It's the cheapest employee you'll ever have. Um and then it I would right start now, using it
0: actually as we speak
2: I'm I'm doing this. This is yeah, pretty. Get cool. a pro version. And then uh you can um when you set up the pro version it lets you upload files under the advanced data system which sounds a little nerdy but it's not that hard once you get into it and we could give you a link to a youtube video to show you how to do it if you want um and i would actually just start using it for different things so when you, you the, the biggest uh thing that i do now internally is there's probably somebody on your team uh in your association who's who's more technologically inclined than others you know you you've, everybody's got that one person uh, who's like they just kind of are a little ahead of the curve. They like to play with new technology. You need the curious person, and you need to let them give the rest of the team an update on how they're using it. Because that's the thing I've seen most practical is, hey, let me show you. So my Monday morning meetings, I'll show them our team. I'll pull up a screen share and I'll show them the last couple of chats that I've had with the ChatGPT. Because you have to think differently with regards to how to communicate with it. You're you're not you're used to typing in a question into Google. And getting a big giant list of thousands of links and hoping you click on the right one, but now you're having a conversation, and you got to think of it as a conversation and ask it questions. So the 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 key is to set up a pro account and go ask it questions. Tell it who you are. I'm I'm in this role at this organization. Here's what we do. We serve members doing X, Y, and Z. We'd love to create more opportunity to help them. Um, give me some ideas. And let it be your brainstorming partner. And and also, you could give it an idea. Let's say you've sat around as a team and you've come up with a new service. And you think, I think our members are going to love this. And everybody's excited about it. Go put put the idea in chat GPT. You can just paste the text in or upload the document. And ask it to give you potential pitfalls that you're not seeing. And it will. It'll give you a list of however many things you tell it to give you. Uh, of things you might not be thinking about. And so as a result, it just becomes an incredible team member. Our team jokingly um, has called it, uh, that we've named it. And his, his name is Robert Dunn. And the reason Robert comes from robot and done because he gets things done. And so uh, (laughs) we we jokingly say, we've got a new team member Robert done on the team and uh, he works 24 seven. He never complains when he gets something wrong. He always apologizes. He's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. So be curious, like have some fun with it. Don't, don't feel like you have to have it all figured out because nobody does anybody right now who claims to be a true expert in these things, unless they work for open AI and actually built the engine, which they probably didn't, we're all just learning and growing together. And so the best thing to do is just go play with it.
0: So we are in my family, we are very, very uh, friendly to Alexa and Siri because <laughs> it's a good uh, idea. we just want to make sure that we're in our good graces <laughs> when, when they do take over the world. That's right. And, um, but, but, but oftentimes my wife, she's so funny. Like she, she'll get tripped up on her prompt right so she'll she she wants some information uh, about like we wanted to make a, a, a vodka sauce for Noki and and uh, I think she started to ask and she gets all wrapped up in her words one of the hardest things is what we're calling now prompt engineering yeah that's right it's this idea of coming up with what is it that you ask and that's hard it's not. And,
1: and and now on Facebook, you have um, cheat sheets. I get them all the time. Yeah. off of prompts for SEO, for marketing, for yeah. communication. They're cheat sheets for just that day there. They're prompts.
2: Yep. So what I would say, here's what I would say to that. That's the biggest hack that gets around. People are trying to like turn it into big formulas and stuff. I don't, I don't think that's actually the long term answer. The short term answer is simply this. Put in whatever you think you want to know. And, and whatever you're trying to accomplish and then tell it, hey, is there anything else that would be valuable for you to know to help me accomplish what I'm trying to do here? And when you do that, it will then say, actually, if I knew this, this and this, that'd be really helpful. And then you just answer the questions it gives you which seems a little backwards because we're used to asking the robot questions, like asking Google for a, a question. In this case, we're asking it to ask us questions. That is the game changer as it relates to getting the right outcome is let it ask you things to clarify. And then from there, it'll give you a much better outcome. It's just like, you you know how you have people who will ask you a question and you think to yourself, you know, you could have just Googled that, right? Um, but then they'll say, well, I did Google it. And then you go Google it, and for some reason you find the answer and they don't. It's like that with prompt engineering. But if people are just willing to ask the robot if it needs to know more information, they'll get better outcomes as a result.
1: So, Dave, if I could real quick, just to kind of give an example of what an so- association could do. So MTI, we all of us as associations, going back to content, we have been dumping in e-news articles for years and we've got hundreds some associations have thousands of articles it's their content in there well there now is a new ai platform that you can wrap around your website and it'll and you and you and it's the same it's like your own chat gpt where you go somebody can come in and type in i need to know a uh, give me the three keys to having a good personal protective eyewear system and a heat treat plant and it goes out and think about how how long would it take one person to go read every article, and uh, summarize them, and then find the three things that are most important. And what it does is it reads all your content from the beginning of time you started, and it spits it back out in seconds. Yeah. So a member can do. So we're, we're we're experimenting with that to see if it's something we want to take on because it's going to like you said, Jay. It's going to be a, a research and communications assistant for all of our staff for yeah, all I the content that for all the content that we have generated. Since the beginning, we started putting it on the internet. I'll
2: give you one more super practical, just wild uh, opportunity, and that is for uh, associations that serve multiple languages, people in multiple languages. Just um, as an example, we were testing this with a church recently, and we would upload a fifty-minute sermon. And there's tools out there now that will automatically do multiple things. It'll transcribe the content so it's a written copy it's, there's been tools to do that for a long time then it'll translate it into whatever language that you want then it will voice clone this is where it gets creepy the person who was speaking and it will recreate the video in whatever the new language is and it sounds like them it's wild that is so amazing. think about organizations that have a bunch of training videos or 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 valuable learning content, but it's all in English. And maybe they serve a community where there's a lot of Spanish speaking team members as well, or German or Italian or whatever, you name the language. But the cost to redo all that training video and have it translated and reproduced and everything else is just cost prohibitive. Well, now all of a sudden it's not cost prohibitive anymore. And for, you know, whatever, 50 bucks, you can redo a training video that would have cost hundreds of dollars, maybe thousands of dollars to redo otherwise. And it's a per- near perfect translation. And it even sounds like the person who delivered it originally. That's where AI is going to move the ball down the field in a lot of learning environments, which I think relates a lot to associations.
1: Jay, could you could you literally email me that where I find that? Because we have uh, a whole series of videos on training that we're trying to look at what we did at one time and it's going to cost like fifty, sixty thousand dollars. oh it's
2: wild me. i'll send you a demo and i'll send yeah, you to it. maybe we can post a link in the podcast notes if we want to
1: yeah because i we're in, we, we we've got closed caption in spanish on our videos that are english and now you now you're telling me i can actually it
2: it's going to blow your mind just it's the right. most amazing thing i've seen
1: I
0: want, I want right. to. Know about so that. we right. We're we're going a little long. Why don't we jump into that final uh, part of the association? Strong, Tom. What's your key takeaway?
1: So my two two real quick key takeaways is one is like Jay said. The first thing you just got to start doing it and figure out. Look at this. You've hired an employee and you sat them in an office and you're and you're just not going in there and giving them any to dos. So use Chat I love Jay how you how you have come up with it's it's an actual employee and you've got a whole story behind it but do that secondly my biggest takeaway is this last part where you can actually take a video in english upload it get a translation and a voiceover in spanish it's gonna or whatever language it's gonna sound just like that person it's gonna be remarkably close translator wise that that's a huge takeaway for me because we've been struggling to do that with all of our training for years because of the cost
0: so i i love the 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 three um T- uh, use cases for AI: one is analytics, two is content, three is brainstorming. You know, maybe there's probably many more. Jay, that that you could take us through in a keynote. That you, like the one the keynote you're doing for Tom's team. Um, so th- that was a pretty. I-, I liked organizing my thoughts like that. Like, what are the things I can do? And those are the three things you can do. I could probably ask uh, GPT, hey how should as a as an entrepreneur how should I be thinking about using uh, uh, chat GPT so but the the I think the cake takeaway for me is also it's a little foggy but I'm excited to get into it and that is utilizing the plugins associated with the chat GPT so that I can upload a video uh, from YouTube and then have it break it into smaller pieces I'd love for it to be able to you know break a, a video up into snappy social media bites that i can put into linkedin or put into um instagram I, i've i've never really cared too much about social media from a business perspective just because the bang for the buck and and you could argue this with me till till the, the to the to pigs fly i guess but i don't feel like putting a lot of work into social media production um because I don't see immediate gratification from it let's put it that way but if social media I'm sorry if it's chat GPT can do that for me really fast and come out with fairly creative highly produced video clips that'd be pretty cool so Absolutely. that's my I, I was that was very long-winded basically I love the plugins to chat GPT and I just bought the 20 buck a month version I'm looking forward to digging into that more Yeah, and I'll
2: send you all some other links that we can include in some other places. But here's the final thing I'd like people to think about as it relates to this or any other technology. When We talked about photos earlier. There's no reason that Kodak didn't become the leader of digital photography, except that they chose not to. Because the way they had always done it was the way they'd always done it. They weren't willing to change. There is no reason that Blockbuster didn't become the first Netflix, but they weren't willing to change. Um, and they weren't willing to, to figure out how to adapt their model of, of what they did into the new technology. And so as a result, both those brands, I guess, exist somewhere out there, but they're nothing compared to what they were. And instead, these other monoliths have taken over. And so in, regardless of your industry, regardless of your job, regardless of your role, you can use technology to help. And it's never been easier than now. You just have to be a little bit curious and a little bit willing to try new things.
1: Jay Owen. Way to end the show. That was an awesome hour, man. This is a yeah. must listen.
2: That
0: was good. That it's, was good. Uh, and you know, you know who I really want to get on here, and we're we're booking it now. Tom is uh, Robert Barnes, who's yes. the
1: new CEO of Betty Bot. and he's the he's the platform I just talked about we're we're in gate we've done a demo and i'm like we gotta we gotta have this
0: so betty bot is basically a private um chat gpt for associations and you know there's some advantages to having a private version of that versus using chat GPT, i think but anyway we're gonna have robert on here i'm really looking forward to that
1: all right jay owen right. thank you very much you jay. thank us. you man That's awesome have a great Dave, day. thanks a lot good to see, see you him. bye we hope you gain some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association, just like a business, and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorson.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com.
0: Give us a review if you haven't already, and don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.